Genesis chapter 17 and verse 1. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. The uh, Hebrew there, he says, I am the almighty God. He says, I am El Shaddai. El Shaddai means I'm the God who is more than enough. I'm more than enough. I'm the all-sufficient one. I'm more than enough. And uh, I was thinking about, as Pastor Caleb and I, we, we've been proclaiming that uh, this is the year of the reset, getting back to the glory. And one of the meanings of the word glory is to be heavy with God's abundance, to have God's blessing, to have God's provision, to be heavy with God's abundance. So El Shaddai, more than enough, is part of the glory of God that we're supposed to live in. Everybody say amen. amen. Acts chapter 9, I'll show you a few scriptures. Acts chapter 9. I'm not the evangelist, Pastor Caleb, it's the evangelist dude. I'm the pastor teacher dude. How's that sound? Acts chapter 9 and um, verse 20. Oh, thank you, Roger, whatever that was. <laughs> Sam Skip that. Let's just move on. I'm going to have trouble finding what I want to find there. El Shaddai, more than enough. God wants you and I to live in abundance. The word more than enough means to uh, have an abundance. He says in John 10, 10, he says, The thieves come before the steal, the kill, and the destroy. I'm coming that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And the word there, abundance, means to live life in its fullness with more that is needed. Life in its fullness with more that is needed. Now, if there's anybody in here aspiring to be a preacher, I'm going to show you what you don't ever do in front of a whole congregation. You don't ever take a piece of sugar out of your mouth. You? <laughs> but unless you want to swallow it, you have to do it. Right? <laughs> life in its fullness with more than is needed. How many of you could live in that life? Life in its fullness with more than is needed. Listen, when life gets tough, somebody said God is more than enough. Our God is not, is, not, is not a get by God, but He's a God of more than enough. He's not just a get by God, He's the God of more than enough. I was thinking about Jesus. Look at Jesus' example. And Jesus finds Himself in 5,000 hungry men plus women and children, probably 20,000 people. And they needed to eat. And He says to His disciples, Go into town and buy them some food. The disciples, here's a man's mindset. The disciples said, Lord, if we put all our money together, we've only got enough to give each one a little bit. That's how man thinks, to get by kind of life, a little bit. We've only got enough to give just a little bit. Notice what Jesus said. He, he, took, he took it and he blessed it and he multiplied it. And when he gave it to them, your Bible says that they ate until every one of them was filled. Man's thinking we just got enough to do just a little bit. When Jesus gets his hands on it, they were all filled. I'm talking about they were full. They were belching, they were burping, like you at Thanksgiving dinner. They were full. I mean, stuffed. Then he said, go get the leftovers. And they gathered up 
when man thought that it was just enough for a little, Jesus got his hands on it and it filled all of them. And then they gathered up 12 baskets of leftovers. Let me tell you something. We do not serve a gift by God. We serve a God who is more than enough in any scenario that you, that you find yourself. When Jesus shows up, he's always more than enough. I want to drive this thing home to you today. This is my whole point. This is my whole purpose in being here today. In 2023, our God is not a gift by God. He's more than enough. He will exceed your need. When it says he's, they were filled, what God is saying to us is, I want you satisfied. I want your life full. I want you satisfied with what I'm doing in your life. Over in John chapter 21, they had fished all night. The disciples had fished all night, and your Bible says they had caught nothing. Nothing. Long comes Mr. Moore enough, and he shouts from the seashore, Cast your nets over on the other side, and you'll catch fish. And your Bible says that their nets were so full that they started breaking, and the boats were so full that the boats were about to sink. Mr. More than us says, come on in here. I got you some fish ready to eat. They just had a boat sinking load of fish. Their nets are full of fish. And they come up to the shore, and Mr. More than enough has fish cooking. And you, you might well think, well, why didn't he just take fish from the load that we just got to cook fish from what we just got? But he's got fish that are already cooking. You know what he's saying? He's saying, when you think I've blessed you beyond what you think you can be blessed, I've always got more blessing to give to you. When you think it's more than what I can do. That's why the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, he said, He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think according to the power that works in you. You never get beyond where God can touch you and bless you. Nobody here wants to hear this today. Am I preaching to myself? Ruth and Naomi. If you remember, Ruth Naomi's daughter-in-law. Naomi's the Jewish. There's a famine in the land. Their, their husbands were dead. And Naomi says to Ruth, let's go back to Israel. And we can survive there in Israel. So they head back in, but as they head in, they need to take advantage of an old Hebrew law that hadn't been instituted in their lives in a while. The law says that Moses said that if you're in a famine, you can go into your neighbor's field and you can glean what they drop. If they drop anything or they leave anything, you can pick it up and you can survive on it. The law says if the reefers didn't get it, it's yours, you can have it. So here she is, Ruth now, because Naomi's an older woman, Ruth's in the field, gleaming what she can glean. She's hoping that she can find a little cabbage and a little wheat. She's got her a little bowl and she's hoping that maybe she can get a half a bowl for her so she works all day hard and she can go home, she can cook it, and she can have just enough to get by. How many of y'all are tired of living with just enough? Raise your hand if you're tired of just enough. Yeah. And so, uh, and so here she is, she's a Gentile in the field of the Jew. She has no right to be there to begin with because she's a Gentile. She's on her knees and she's finding what she can find. Boaz goes by. Boaz owns the field. 
Boaz looks out at her and he sees this pretty girl. And she's beautiful. And she's struggling and she's just barely getting by. And Boaz says to his servants, he says, listen guys, here's what I want you to do. I want you to leave handfuls on purpose. I want you to drop some on purpose. Now watch. The law said you can only have a little. But grace says you're a Gentile and you don't deserve it. Yet I'm not just going to save you. I'm not just going to let you get by. But I'm going to make sure that you have more than enough. And so they start dropping it. By the handfuls. They're dropping it. They're dropping it. Ruth's picking it up. Pretty soon, Ruth's probably thinking, these are the sloppiest reefers. I mean, they're dropping more than I can eat. Well, what you talking about, Brother Steve? I'm talking about you and I. We have a heavenly voice. And the law says, you might could have got by with the shed blood of an animal. And from year to year, you might have could have pushed your sins to the side. But Jesus said, I came along and shed my blood so that you can be free from your sins. Grace, Jesus said, my blood will give you more than abundant. Old covenant would meet your needs. We'd take your sins away for another year. Under the new covenant, we're going to exceed your needs. We're going to get rid of your sin. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, and we'll look at verse 13. For if the blood of bulls and goats and ashes and heifers sprinkling the unclean, sanctified to the purified of the flesh, how much more? Everybody say much more. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offer himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to the living God? Now, church, because Boaz came by the field and said, drop handfuls on purpose. Now we're living shame. Now we're living guilt. Now we're hope that our sins are covered for another year. Now we're blessed in the city. We're blessed in the field. Now we're blessed coming in. We're blessed going out. Now every time we put our hands to his blessed and by his stripes, we are healed. The old covenant, you were looking to just get enough to get into heaven. Under the new covenant, he said, I got more than enough. I can not only get you into heaven, but if you believe on me, I'll save you and your household and your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids. Now, here's something that I noticed. Under the old covenant, you always had to bring a sacrifice or a gift. If you was wealthy, you brought it to the tabernacle, you'd bring in an ox. If you was middle class, you'd bring in a lamb. If you was four, you'd bring in a turtle dove, a little dove. An ox, a lamb, or a little dove. It was not, see what she said, it was not equal giving, but it was equal sacrifice. That's why the tithe principle is such a beautiful thing. 10% of what you've got is 10% no matter what you've got. You got $10,000, 10% is $1,000. You got $1,000, 10% is $100. You got $100, 10% is $10. It wasn't that, uh, it wasn't that you, were, you were, 
equal giving. Well, like I say, you had equal sacrifice. God says, if you honor me with what I give you, I'll treat you all the same when it comes to blessing. The Old Testament, you came with your hands full. You brought your sacrifice in. And you left with your hands empty. Everybody still with me? If you were going to get a blessing under the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, you had to get it while you was in church because when you went home, you was going home empty-handed. Then we see David bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into Zion. David says, guys, we're going to do worship a little different. Pull the ropes back on the curtains. He said, I still want you to bring your offering, but here's what you're going to do. I want you to get a piece of some of the breads, cakes of bread. I want you to get a good piece of flesh. And I want you to get a flagon full of wine, a vessel full of wine. He said, I want you to take the bread. I want you to take the flesh. I want you to take the wine home with you. What he was saying was, I want you to get the bread. That's the word. I want you to get a piece of flesh. That's our Savior's body sacrifice. I want you to get the wine. That's the Holy Ghost. He says, I don't want you just to have God while you're in church. I want you to take it home with you. Moses, you went to the tabernacle with your hands full. You went home empty. David's tabernacle, you took it home and you lived in it after you got it. In Acts chapter 15 and verse 16, the Bible says that God is going to restore the tabernacle of David. What he's saying is, we don't just come to church and have church, and when we go home, it's all over with, and we had church, and that's the end of it. He's more than enough, and you take him home with you. He wants to be part of your life. He wants to go to work with you. He wants to be with you on Monday. He wants to be with you on Friday night. He wants to be with you when you're paying the bills. He wants to be with you when your kids are showing up. Take it home with you. Take some bread home with you. Take some meat home with you. Take some wine home with you. Now we go home and we say, I'm not alone. I didn't leave it all in church. Now I, I, I'm an overcomer. I, I got the name of Jesus. I got the blood of Jesus Christ. I got the spirit of God that I can walk in. Now when God, life gets tough, I know this for sure. God is more than enough. He's more than enough. Pastor Caleb, they wanted you up here today, I can tell. Watch this right here. In 2 Kings, you find Naaman. Naaman was a leper. Naaman had a little servant girl. Actually, it was a slave that he captured, a little Jewish girl that lived in his house. And she said to the man of God, listen, sir, there's a man of God in Samaria, and if you'll go to Samaria, he'll heal you. I'm talking about the God that's willing to know. He jumps on a horse and he rides 120 miles to get to where Elijah is. And he thought when he got there, because see, Naaman was the captain of the armies of Syria. He thought that Elijah would come out and bow down to him and make some big deal. And Oh, I'm so glad that you're here. Elijah didn't even get off the porch. He, he didn't care who the guy was. He, he, how many know God's not a respected person? Everybody puts the pants on the same way. All you guys in here, you put them on one leg at a time. If you could jump up, put them on two legs at a time, we want to watch. Okay? 
And uh, the prophet didn't go out to meet him. He sent one of the servants out. And he says to, to Naaman, go on down to the River Jordan and, 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 uh, and deal with him seven times. Naaman went ballistic. He was angry. He felt disrespected. I mean, in Syria, he's a, he's a man of authority, a man of, uh, that, that walks with authority. And the prophet don't even come out to him. And then he says, go deal in the muddy Jordan. Naaman says, there's a lot of better rivers around. Why can't I go get that old mud hole? And not only that, I done rode a horse 120 miles, and George another 30 miles away. That's 150 miles, these jerks want me to ride on a horse, where there's rivers right here that aren't even muddy. He goes down. He gets in the river. Seven ducks in the pond. Down in the river he goes seven times. And when he comes up, his skin is, not only is it healed, it's as clear as a baby's. Because God does more than enough when he does. And he's, in my mind's eye to see him, he's shouting, he's praising God. He ain't up out of the river, he's having church. His leprosy is gone. And somebody says, come on, Naaman, we got to get back to Syria. And he does something that's kind of strange when you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. He starts getting bags, and he goes over to the bank of the river, and he's digging dirt, muddy dirt, out the banks of the river. And your Bible says he fills two mulefuls full of dirt, two mules loaded down with dirt. And he starts to head home with these two mules covered in dirt. See, God doesn't just want you to have church in the river. He wants you to take the river home with you. And, and, and here he is, he's coming home with, with two, two mules full of dirt. And he goes, and see, now back, at, back in Syria, they worshiped the God called Ramon. It was a false idol. He goes into the temple of Ramon, takes these two mule loads full of dirt, throws it on the ground, and he says, I'm going to walk right up here into the middle of Ramon's territory, and I'm going to stand on this dirt where God gave me a miracle, and I'm going to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because I have found out that their God is the God that's more than enough. And so regardless of where I'm at, what I'm standing in the middle of, whether I'm at work, whether I'm in the middle of my unsaved friends, whether I'm in, I got family that's not saved, wherever I'm at, wherever I'm standing, I'm going to stand on what God's already done for me. And listen to this, not only because I'm standing on what he's done for me and he's moved in my life, wherever I go, wherever I stand, that's holy ground because I'm standing there. Let me say that again. Wherever you go, that's holy ground because you're standing there. Because your God is more than enough. And wherever I go, whatever ground I'm standing on, God's ground is going to take authority over the devil's ground. Because he exceeds the need. He's more than enough for anything that I do. I tell you, I had to have the God of more than enough this morning. We drove up outside, and I told Donna, I said, you going in, I'm going to stay out in the car a while. I thought, you know, I'm just going to pray a little bit, read some Bible, and get my mind clear. Well, she locked the doors when she got out, and it was on child safety, and I'm in the back seat. <laughs> and I, I see, I see Elder Therese and Matt Louie standing by the door, 
And I wanted to get out. I'm locked in the car. And the alarm goes off. And I'm thinking, they're going to come over here. They ain't paying me no attention locked in the car. And I start beating on the window. Making motion to them. And, 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 you know, I, I hate to say it, but I was about to get into a panic. And I'm locked in the car. It's church time. And I can't get out. The alarm's going on. And, and then, then an alarm down, two or three cars down started going. In fact, my car caused that one to go off. I don't know. Finally, I reached up to the driver's door to open it, and, and it opened. I knew I was home free, right? But I was praying, God, I need you now more than ever. I need you, <laughs> I need you more than ever. <laughs> hey. You need to take dirt from wherever you met God. Whatever he did in your life, you need to always take it with you. This is what God did in my life. No matter where I'm standing, he's still God. If he did that for me then, he'll still do it for me now. There's a widow in 2 Kings chapter 4. Her husband is dead, and she owes money she can't pay, and the debtor is coming to take her two sons. Under the Jewish law, you could take the children and make them work off the debt. And she's praying. She don't know what to do. She doesn't have enough, but she serves the God that's more than enough. So the prophet comes down. He says, what you got? She said, I got one pot of oil. He said, go borrow a vessel. Borrow every vessel you can borrow. I have one pot of oil, prophet. I said, go borrow vessels. Borrow all the vessels you can borrow. Pour it out. Well, to pour it out. She starts pouring that oil out of one vessel to another vessel to another vessel. The more she pours, the more she has. She pours it out to every vessel that's full. Then she looks at him and says, what am I to do? He says, well, go sell it and pay your debt. And because I'm God and more than enough, I'm not just going to pay your debt. Live off the rest of it. See, God's not worried about just meeting your needs. He's worried about your quality of life. He wants you to be blessed beyond what you have to do. God says, I know you got a need, but that's no problem. If I get involved in your need, it's going to be a pressed down, shaking together, running over situation. Yeah. I don't get involved and do it halfway. It's pressed down, shaking together, and running over. That's the God that we serve. Because you see, the God that we serve, your Bible says that he's the He's the Almighty. He's the Ancient of Days. Trying to see what time it is. He's the Almighty. He's the Ancient of Days. He's the beginning. He's the begotten. And he's the beloved of God. He's the Chief Shepherd. He's the Counselor. He's the Consolation of Israel. He's the Day Spring, the Day Star, and the Desire of all nations. He's the Elect. He's from Everlasting. And he's the Eternal One. He's the Firstborn. He's the First Fruit. And He's the Friend of Sinners. The God that's more than enough is God with us, our great teacher, and our great high priest. He's the I am that I am, the judge of the living, the king of kings, the life and the light, and the living stone. That's the God that we serve. He's the mediator and the man of sorrows. He's the good thing out of Nazareth, the indifferent one and the overcoming lamb. He's our Passover, our peace. And our prince of God, that's, our, that's the one we serve. He's the rabbi, the redeemer, and he's our ransom. He's the star of Jacob, the son of man, and the son of God. The true vine, the tree of life, and he's the unspeakable gift. 
He's our victor. He's the voice of God. He's the very way. He's the word. And he's our wonderful God. That's the God we serve. He's born in the He's Adam's creator. He's Eve's promised seed. He's Noah's ark. He's Abraham's sacrifice. He's Isaac's substitute. And he's Jacob's wrestler. That's the God that we serve. The God that we serve is Moses' staff and Aaron's rod that budded. He's Samson's strip and David's slingshot. The God that we serve is Deborah's song and Solomon's wisdom. He's Elijah's mantle and Elisha's double portion. He's Isaac's righteous servant. He's Jeremiah's righteous branch. He's Ezekiel's man of fire. He's Daniel's ancient of days. He's Hosea's faithful husband. He's Job's restorer of the wasted years. He's Malachi's day star on high. He's Matthew's Messiah and Mark's miracle worker. That's the God we serve. He's Luke's son of man, and he's John's son of God. He's Peter's rock and keys to the kingdom. He's Paul's potter with power over the clay. And in Revelation, he's the one who is dead and is alive forevermore, has the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He is Jehovah. Shama, our fellowship. He's Jehovah Shalom, our peace. He's Jehovah Nisi, our conqueror. He's Jehovah Tishkanu, our righteousness. He's Jehovah Rapha, our healer. He's Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He's El Shaddai, the God is more than enough. He's a good and stupid person that I've been. I'm going to give you about 30 seconds to give God praise Isaiah 65. And look what it says in verse uh, 
Look at verse 16. Interesting phrase here. He who resteth himself. Do you see that? He that blesseth himself in the earth shall bless himself in the God of truth. And he that sweareth in the earth shall swear by the God of truth because the former troubles are forgotten because they are hid from my eyes. Now watch this. He that blesseth himself. In the Hebrew it says this. He that asks for and invokes a blessing over his life. He that kneels to receive a blessing, asks for it, and invokes the blessing over his life. Here's how he'll do it. He will appeal to the law or the authority. Now, what am I talking about? The God that's more than that. If I invoke a blessing over myself, I kneel before my God, and I appeal to the authority. What is the authority in my God? Right here. Now, 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 let me show you something. I'm going to give you a chance to do it in a minute. He that blesseth himself in, in the world and in God. How many of you need a different level of blessing in your life? I, I, I'm not just talking about being rich. I'm talking about you need God to move from things in your life. You need God to bless you. Well, the good news is you can bless yourself in God. You don't have to wait on Pastor Steve to lay hands on you, but I might, I might be locked in a car and can't get to you. You don't have to wait on Pastor Caleb to lay hands on you. It's not funny. If you get locked in a car at church time and you're the preacher, it's not funny. That's about as bad. Pastor Kay, have you ever done this? I've actually stepped up to preach before and looked down and realized my zippers were hot over. You ever done that? <laughs> Being locked in the car is about that embarrassing. Yeah. But the good news is you can bless yourself in God. You don't have to wait on one of us to touch you or lay hands on you. You don't have to wait on the lightning to hit you or your room to light up with angels standing in it. You can bless yourself in God. You know how you bless yourself in God? It says there, you kneel down and you appeal to the authority. You kneel down. And, uh, this is what I'm doing right now. Every day I kneel down and I say, God, I need healing in my body, God. I need you to restore my strength. I need you to heal my, my eye. My I need you to, to do a work in me, God. And I just kneel down and I get in God's presence and I say, God, I know you to be the God that's more than enough. I know you to be the God that answers prayer. And I know when you get involved, it's not a get-by thing that you're going to do. It's a press down, shaking together, running over kind of thing that you're going to do. So that's what I'm expecting you to do in my life, God. I'm expecting you to move in my life. How many of you can say that's where you're at today? Just let you to move in your life. I want every one of you that you need healing in your body. Come stand right across the front right here. Right now, where are you at? You need healing in your body. Just come on down here. You say, if I need healing, I can't walk down the steps. Well, believe God. He might touch you. Come on. You need healing in your body. I think Pastor Caleb is some elders. Come lay hands on you right now. I don't know where my elders are. somewhere in the building. But... Lift your hands. Listen. 
Lift your hands toward heaven. And you're going to bless yourself in God. Do you hear what I'm saying? You're going to bless yourself in God. You're going to decree to bless it over yourself. Come on, Ellen. Get ready for that. Pastor Katie. And you come to me. Say it. Say it out loud. Say, I have the right. I can bless myself in God. Right now. I seek blessing. I receive blessing. Right now. In my body. Holy Ghost. Healing virtue. Flood my being. Touch me. By the stripes on your back, Jesus. I'm healed. As they sing, I want you to lift your voice to heaven and just give God praise. Just tell him, thank you, Lord. Thank you that you've healed me. Thank you that you've only had enough for me.